0: i only six chapters away from part two, so um, I'm going to try to put the last six chapters of part one in this episode, so let's begin. They led hallway in the opposite direction of the main terminal. I followed, train, trailing a few yards back. The crowd of moving bodies made it easy to blend in. I pulled out my cop phone, got Randy back on the line. Pretend you're talking to your snitch, I said. Is Heidi on her way or not? We're, we are just through costumes. We'll be there in week. Me, Detective again and a handful of uniforms. It was my tip. She told me to throw Marty in a holding cell and tag along. So she didn't call the airport police, tell them to pick up Serena. Why would she, like I said, we're here now. Meanwhile, the airport cops were steering Serena down a side hallway, leading to an unlocked metal door. I hung up on Randy. think. Officers I yelled, running. Officers I got, running after them, waving my arms, pretending to be out of breath. Officers, please wait. They turned toward me. Looked, none, too pleased. One of them held up a hand as if to say, that's far enough. Serena turned too. Her face was streaked with mascara, and she was in bad need a of a Kleenex, if she recognized me. She didn't let it show. There's an unattended bag at gate 16, I said, which wasn't exactly a lie. I heard some kind of rattling coming from inside. It sounded like a grandfather clock gone haywire. We were sent someone over. The short one said, sounding bored and impatient. Up close, the duo looked more formidable than I imagined. The tall one could have dunked on Jordan any day, and the short one made for his lack of height with a barrel chest and anvil arms. I took a picture of the bag, I said, so you know what to look for. I held up my phone as if I wanted them to see. Then flipped in around and hit video. Smile, I said. You're going to be on the six o'clock news. That got their attention. Mike, go handle this. The case said, What are what are you? Some kind of nut job? Mike asked, stepping toward me. Maybe, I said. Why not ask Vincent? He stopped in his tracks. I fastened my badge just long enough for him to glimpse the shield. Let's have a private ward night, I said. Tell your partner to stay where he is. The truth is, they could have jumped me right there. They could have jumped me, and they could have taken me. There wasn't any foot traffic in this corridor, and anyone peering down the hall would have seen two cops. Making an arrest. Mike seemed to be weighing the opposite. Luckily, he thought better of it. I pulled him off to the side. Listen, I said. I'm doing you a favor. I've got you on video. Walking away with the prime suspect. In a murder investigation. I'm telling you, drop it. Tampa PD is descending on gate 16 right now. They will want to know who paid you. Maybe you will stand up until a police hearing, but do you think Vincent will take that chance? That he'll go and I will make this video right here and now while you're watching. All you have to do is tell Vincent, the cops beat you to He was anxious now. There was sweat on his brow and he couldn't make himself stand still. I knew what he was thinking. Do I back down or go to the mat? Which scores more points with Vincent Pastel? just say what you will about our local mob boss, but he pays way better than the Tampa in the National Airport Police Department. You will make it up to him, I said. His purse-out chest defeated. in four inches. Yeah, all right, he said. Then turned his partner. Cut her loose. Serena bought it without a word. I gave each of my colleagues a know-how feeling in his handset, then turned and followed her. By the time I got to the gate, the spectacle was in forcing me. Serena, kicking and thrashing like a stout cat, while like Heidi and Randy held on for their life. The unis formed a smile i on either side, ready to catch up. The FC broke loose. Serena screamed, poor fool. I joined the soap club on was pushed my sunglasses up the bridge of my nose, and bent my knees until I was just able to see over the in front of me. We are here to help you, he said. You understand? We're we're the good guys. Serena last out with her feet. Hooked her taught goes around. and pulled her down trail and kept on screaming. My Spanish is less functional, but I'm pretty sure she said that cops are the real models. To Heidi's credit, they didn't tase her or bend her arm behind her back or even wrestle her to the ground. They just held on until the flight died down, until the flight died down. Then calmly escorted all out of the terminal. When they were gone, I sat for a minute and watched the passengers finish boarding. Part of me still wished I could fly. Stand by, especially now that I knew there would be at least one to seat. Well, that was the first chapter of this episode. Ready for the second chapter of this episode? Let's begin. October 21st, four PM. Until we won't see. What did she say? Hannigan asked. Detective Nunes, a first generation American whose accent told me her family came from the north, gave me a sad look. As if she hated to betray one of her own. She said, There's something sinister here. Sinister? Sinister how? I pretend not to understand. Munes translated. I sat back, looked over the dreary, windowless room, and scratched up mental desk, hard backed plastic chest, surveillance cameras in every corner those fluorescent lights that look like ice cube trays. How in the world did I end up here? I wondered. I'm the victim, I said. You have no right to keep me. Uh, you do speak English, and I can slide. Maybe you maybe you should tell us how you're the victim, and Anthony Costello was the one in the morgue. I thought it over, that was a phrase. I copied maybe a hundred times in my high school English class. The the truth will set you free. How far back do you want me to go, I asked. However far you need, just so long as you tell us everything you know about Anthony's murder. Standing outside the upstairs guest bathroom, me and Tony. Usually, he liked Bell to call him Mr. Costello, but when I first got here, the dub, the double is came out. A Y. He said it made me sound like a cartoon. The vibe in Anthony wasn't any easier, so instead of on Tony. How many times do I have to tell you? He asked, holding up a green hand towel with a small soap ring in the middle. I'm sorry, I said. It won't happen again. I wish I could believe that. Once more, and I start docking your will pay. Now get out of here. Go find something to clean downstairs. I turned to walk away. Dressing me down was nothing new. I hardly even noticed anymore. I hardly even noticed anymore that this was the first time he'd threatened me. Soap washes out. That's the point of soap. But when the towels cost $600 per set, they aren't towels anymore. They're little museum pieces that no one should touch. Hold on, he called after me. We need to talk about that vaccination did you make an appointment like i asked i searched for while. i searched for a white line but came up empty i was going to do that later i said later i asked you weeks ago i told you it was a priority for your visa but also for my health this is my busy season i can't afford to be getting sick i understand you can't afford for me to be sick. You think Anna will pay your salary? I shook my head. Wait here a second, he said. He stepped into the bathroom, came back holding up a of bottle in one hand and a cup of bottle in the other. Normally, I wouldn't tell this, but since you walk under my roof, giving one to you is the same as giving one to me. An ounce of prevention. What are they? The next best thing to vaccination. They prevent colds, the flu, pneumonia, you name it, pneumonia, you name it. Now come take one. The question I was too afraid to ask, if you're already taking them, then how can I get you sick? I will go to a clinic tomorrow, I said sorry, he said. You had your chance. That was a lie. He hadn't talked to me about this weeks ago, like he claimed. He'd mentioned it in passing the day before at breakfast. He had me follow him into the bathroom, then watch as he took two pills and masked them down to powder with the end of a good brush. Then he brushed the powder into the cup Switched the one around and handed the cup to me. Here, he said, the medicine makes it sway through your system more rapidly one, it's dissolved. What choice did I have? My visa, my livelihood? everything depended on this man. I didn't even have enough money before I got home. I took the cup, tried to hide the fact that my hand was shaking. He fired as I drank it down. Very good," he said. "Very good." It wasn't until later that I realized this was a try one. He wanted to see if the taste of the drink would make me gag all grimace. It didn't. It tasted like nothing that pleased him. Go on now," he said. "I think there's some broken glass in the game room. Anna was stumbling around drunk last night, as usual. I didn't favor dizzy, by the way. Or oh, if I did, then I don't remember it." I only remember waking up eight hours later, lying fully cloaked on top of the covers in one of the guest bedrooms with no sense of how I got there. My arm was aching. I thought I might vomit. Then I looked over and saw him standing in the corner and buttoning up his shirt. It took me two tries to push myself off the bed. The exhaustion felt like a weight pinning me to the mattress. I turned my back to Tony, smothered out the debit, then started for the door. He He stepped in front of me. You're lucky, he said. You know that, right? I nodded, kept my eyes on the floor. Tell me why you're lucky. I swapped all I wanted was to get away from him. You see, I hate it when you do that. Why do you not like a sheep when in fact you have no idea what I'm talking about? I didn't say anything. You're lucky because I didn't want you. up. Normally, when you make one of your patent blunders, I write a little note and stick it in your file. That fire will follow you wherever you choose to go in this country. That's how it works Do you understand? I said I did. Do you understand that I've been very nice to you? That I've given you a break? I knew what he was really asking. He was asking if I was going to tell him about the vaccination. He was asking if I planned to report him. You are very nice to me, I said. Thank you for being so nice. You let me pass. I got as far as the front gate before I started retching. When I was finished, I wiped my mouth with my sleeve and kept walking to the highway. On the bus ride home, I made a vow never to return to that place again. That is the second chapter of this episode. Ready for the third chapter? begin. the next morning, I woke before dawn, packed my small suitcase, and started for the and started for the Greyhound bus station. But I didn't make it any further than my building's front steps. There was a car parked by the bio hydrant across the street—a big, expensive-looking American car. The man got out. I recognized him, but at first I couldn't say from where. Well. Then then I remembered it was Detective C. Wallace. I'd seen him before when he visited Anthony or came to pick up Sal because a much smaller, much less expensive car was in the shop. He waved me over. I thought about running, but what good would it do? Get in, he said. I walked around, climbed into the passenger seat, I held my suitcase on my lap. He started driving. I didn't bother to ask where we were going. How are you doing, Serena? Sarah tells me you walk your tail off. She's very fond of you, you know. I nodded. No one in this country had been kinder to me than Sarah. How she wound up married to Detective Wells and working for Tony was a mystery I couldn't even begin to explain. Walsh took the entrance ramp onto the highway. For a while, neither of us said anything, but I could tell he wanted to talk. I need to ask you something, he said. Are you being treated well at your job? Are the castellos good to you? Please don't take me there." Not today. I feel sick. He steered into the sort throughout the car to a screeching stop. It felt like something he'd planned ahead of time, as if he was putting on a show. If you don't want me to take you there, then I won't, he said. I can drop you off wherever you want. The suitcase tells me that's either the airport or the bus station. But I need to be very clear about something first. He turned to face me. This isn't the kind of job you just walk away from. There will be consequences with a man like Anthony. There are always consequences. You understand what I'm saying, don't you? I kept staring straight ahead. I'm saying we can't leave Anthony Costello to wonder what might happen next, because if he starts to wonder, He's going to assume the worst. He's going to think you're a threat. This isn't a man or a family, for that matter. You want you want to threaten? I'm oh, not a threat to anyone. He took them he took a dramatic threat, then turned back his blazer and tapped his badge. You're a friend of Sarah's, he said. That means you're a friend of mine. If something's wrong, I want to help. Father so S. So I will ask again, are the Costello's feeding you well? I'm not stupid, I know who he worked for, I knew what he was really asking, I knew what would happen if I said no. I couldn't be happier though, I lied. Good girl, I thought later we were parked in front of Tony's garden, modern day castle, the home I don't think I sworn never to set foot in again. Remember, said. If you have any trouble, you come to me. At that, he drive off, but instead he followed me inside. I headed straight for my maid's quarters, a small room where I was allowed to keep a few belongings, and where I sometimes slept when Anna and Tony had one of the all-night dinners. Party, I shut the door behind me. Sat on the edge of the pot and took long, deep breaths. I thought about calling Simon, my brother, but what could he do against men like Tony and Shane? How could I tell him what happened to me? Besides, Simon had his life here—a life he'd worked hard to make without help from anyone. Least about me. The last thing I wanted was to cause trouble for him. Before long, I heard shouting in the kitchen. Scene and Tony were awkward. At first, their voices were just loud enough for me to hear. But little by little, the volume spread. They took their fight out onto the deck and closed the sliding doors. But I could still make out every word. I can't keep bailing you out like this, Scene said. You can keep doing whatever it is I tell you to do. You're my errand boy, remember? This is getting too ugly. Oh, you have no idea how ugly things can get. Keep making yourself useful, and maybe you won't. Maybe you won't find out. They yelled They yelled back and forth some more. And then everything went quiet. So I heard scenes caught out of the driveway. I sat as still as I could for as long as I dared. Afraid Tony would turn his legs on me, but he ignored me, morning, night, and night. We didn't so much as cross paths. Back home in my studio apartment, I got on my knees and prayed for the first time since I left Mexico. I prayed for a way out, a way back to the broken down little coastal city I dreamed of leaving my whole life I prayed until the sun came up and it was the time to catch the bus and report to walk all over again there we go That is the third chapter in this episode are you ready for the fourth chapter of this episode let's begin you have beautiful hair, Tony said. It's a shame to tie it back like that. Well, no one can see. Slowly, even gently, he slid the band from my ponytail, then used his fingers like a comb until my hair was hanging loose around my shoulders. We was standing in front of a hallway mirror, Tony looming up behind me. See, he said. Isn't that better? I nodded. "'And those pants don't work at all,' he continued. "'They look like scrubs. "'A woman with legs like yours shouldn't hide them. "'Let's get you a pair of those fitted jeans and gloves." "'I'll learn I wanted to scream to want to talk and gouge his eyes out. "'But I couldn't let him know what I was thinking. "'For such a big, important man, Tony was deeply insecure.' even paranoid. Once I saw him pick up a jam and break it over the dining room table just because Anna teased him about eating a good cannoli. He knew how disgusting I found him. He'd have beaten the life out of me. Then God seemed to come clean up the mess. Maybe try a little lipstick too, he said. Red is your fellow. Of course he only behaved this way when Anna wasn't Around. If if she spent the day at home, which was becoming more and more well, Tony either stuck to his office or went coughing with Vincent or sing, and Anna didn't seem to mind. Neither one of them looked happy when they were together. He kept after me for months. Then one day I saw him alone in the dining room. Winding up more of those pills instead of a toothbrush, he was using a wooden mortar and pedestal, and instead of a cup of water, there were two wine glasses sitting beside a half-empty bottle. I knew those pills couldn't be for me. Anthony didn't need to wind me or dine me or dine me. I was just his little Mexican maid. I slipped away before he stopped me watching. Whatever he was planning, whoever he was planning to hoard. I didn't want to know about it. I went into the laundry room, transferred a load from the washer to the dryer, then emptied the first basket into the washer and switched both machines to the loudest settings. I told myself I wouldn't leave the room no matter what. Not until Tony had done whatever he was going to do. But ten minutes later, I heard his voice calling me from somewhere on the other side of the house. Serena, Serena, over and over again. I walked toward the sound of my name as if I was in a trance. I found him in the living room, Michelle. Uh, she was lying unconscious on the floor. Help me do this, he said. He gestured in the direction of the stairs. I didn't say yes. I didn't say no. I just stood there, afraid. to so much as plain. Now he said, "You take your feet." I obeyed. I never felt so much like a coward. A coward. I left my country not because I was poor, or afraid, or even unhappy. I left because I wanted a first-rate education. My plan was to save up. To a fancy American law school, then return home and fight the cocktails. I was going to, to challenge myself, see what I was capable of. Well, I thought as we hauled my only friend up to the stairs as if she was just another piece of furniture. Now you have your answer. Now you know who you really are. You work for the criminals not against them. We dropped her on a bed in one of the many guest rooms. Shut the door on your way out, Tony said, as if I needed to be told. Downstairs, I finished up the laundry, mopped the kitchen floor, vacuumed the family room, anything to keep myself from drifting over to the bottom of the stairs. I prayed Anna would come home and find them if she told the cops they listen, she might even get Finchy to listen. In the Costello family, there are laws you break, and laws you don't, and God help you if you get the two confused, but Anna was babysitting her nephew in Orlando. She wouldn't be back until after midnight, if she came back that night at all. An hour later, I heard Tony calling for me again. He didn't sound agitated or angry or sane. He needed me for another chore. That was how. We carried Sarah to the downstairs den, propped her up in an armchair. When she comes to, Tony said, tell her it was an insulin blackout. You understand? An insulin blackout. Let me hear you say it. I repeated the words back to him. S- she's had them before, Tony said. She ought to be grateful. Another employer might not put up with the last time. I stayed with her, made sure she kept breathing. Half the night was gone before her eyes opened. I wonder if I'd been unconscious that long, too. Whoa, she said, blinking her eyes as though fighting off a spotlight. I feel like I've been won over by a semi No, I don't know. You passed out. Tony says, you missed your insulin. I stuck to his lie because the truth would have changed Sarah. The way it changed me. I couldn't sleep at night without pushing the dresser in front of my door, without getting up again. And again, to make sure the windows were locked, I kept a can of pepper spray and an, enormous shaving and an enormous carving knife on the floor beside my bed. I didn't want any of that for sure. I hadn't protected her against Tony. The least I, I could do was spell her the constant gnawing feel. Maybe, she said. God, what time is it? Late, just right here. I'll be two minutes. I ran to the kitchen, fetched a glass of orange juice and a bottle of aspirin. By the time I got back, Sarah had drifted off again. I set the glass and bottle on the coffee table, then stretched out on the floor at her feet, without meaning to after her sleep. When I woke a few hours later, the sun was just coming up, and Sarah was gone. I sat down in the armchair while she'd been sleeping and told myself that I had to do something. I had to make sure that what happened to Sarah would never happen again. That was when I decided to be brave. That was when I decided to kill Anthony Costello. That's it. That was the fourth chapter of this episode. Are you ready for the fifth chapter? Let's begin. So you're confessing? Anakin said. You killed Anthony? No, I didn't. But you wanted to, but I didn't. She brought an open palm down hard on the table, looked at me as if I was a toddler, refusing to eat my peas. Can you believe this?" she asked Noons. Noons just rolled her eyes. I couldn't tell if, if the gesture was meant for me or her partner. All I'm hearing from you is motive, Hannigan said. A damn good motive, too. Maybe even self-defense Hell, If you told this story to joy, you might get off with a slap on the wrist. Maybe the judge would deport you and that that be the end of it. So why not cut to the confession. What happened in that kitchen? Tell me and I will put in a good word with the DA. You aren't listening to me, I said. I want to defy not out of fear or anger or anything like remorse, but but out of pure deep in my bones, persuasion. Talking with Hannigan could do that to you. She back your words around like cat toys, turned out whatever she didn't want to hear, and keep pushing until you broke. I guess that's her job, but beneath the hard-nosed n- kid she seemed to be enjoying herself a little too much. Oh, I'm listening, she said. And you know what I think? I think somebody hired you to help them kill Anthony Costello. He deserved it, right? He was a bad guy. He did horrible things to you, to people you cared about. Anyone in your position would have wanted him dead. So who was it you let in the house? Who did the stabbing? I didn't say anything. You know, don't you? You could solve this for us right now. I nodded. We'd been squirreled off on opposite sides of a code metal table for hours. There was time to bring the day to an end. I know, I said, but he didn't pay me, and I didn't let him in. He did what he did all by himself. Who? You know who. Tell me anyway, Hannigan said. Tell me all of it. I started. I started to look for Sarah, but I knew I could feel it. Something was off in the house. Something very bad was about to happen. Then I heard it, shouting coming from the kitchen. Tony and another man, they were fighting over what sounded like the end of a business arrangement. It must have been their arguing that woke me. Sorry, Tony said. What do Sorry, Tony said. But things don't work that way. They only walk the way I want them to walk. Oh, that's our change, the other man said. You have played your name for all it's worth. It's open season now. Uncle Vincent won't come to your rescue. Not this time. You're an embarrassment. You'll be lucky if you get a shallow grave. The voice was familiar, but I couldn't place it. Not at first. You think he will believe you, Tony said. You think you can ruin me without warning yourself I crept out of the den and tiptoed into the dining room from there I could see part of the kitchen through the open doorway the part Tony was standing in. I watched him raise his fist watched the veins in his neck. He lunged forward. I heard a body slam into the refrigerator I heard glass shadows I heard cursing and stopping, and then I heard a gasp as Tony came staggering back into view, clutching his gut. You son of a bitch, he said, his voice strained and wet as if his mouth was clogged with with soup. I saw the blade before I saw scene. He held it out in front of him like a bayonet and sauce. Tony fell to the floor, but Seam kept stabbing him. His arm raising and thrusting, rising and thrusting. I clapped my hands over my mouth, ducked under the dining room table. When the scene was done, he wiped the blade on Tony's pants, stood for a while with his hands on his knees, then straightened up and walked down the long entrance hallway, as if he was in no hurry at all. I didn't dare move until I heard the front door pull shut. My scene, Hennekin said. You mean Detective Scene Ross? I nodded. The one who walks in this building, the one who's married to your friend Sarah. I nodded again. Her voice was calm and even. It seemed as if it seemed as if she'd known all along, as if as if this was the very story she'd been pushing me to tell. She in, she exchanged a look with news. Then turned back to me. You can prove it, she asked. You have proof that it was him? No, I said, I don't have. You're saying Detective scene Ross committed murder? And you're saying it on the record. You better be damn sure you're right. Scenes cleared a lot of cases in this department. Every one. them will be opened again. We're talking untold man hours. Criminals will go free. So let me ask you again. Do you have proof? I leaned forward, looked the dead in the uh, eyes. No, I said, I don't have proof. But I saw where the proof went. This is the fifth chapter of this episode. Are you ready for the final chapter of this episode? Let's begin. My plan was to stop at Pete Owen's door and go on the way to Simon's apartment. I had Serena's fire on the seat beside me, but I needed something more, something that belonged to Anthony and couldn't be copied or reproduced, something Vincent would recognize. There was a pistol from the Civil War that Anthony kept locked away in his storage unit because he was afraid to help Mike Stewart. He'd inherited the gun from his father. Vincent's brother, Vincent, had hoped to inherit himself. That was the closest uncle and nephew ever came to a major class. Once the latter turned up in Simon's apartment, there would be no doubt Anthony would have clung to that pistol until the undertaker pried it from his icy hand. As plans go, this one felt foolproof. I was already rehearsing my exit speech. I've handed you your nephew's killer. I'd say I'm done now. It's time for me to walk away. I was stopped at a light a block from the store and go when they hit me. Scrub cars, unmarked cars, a goddamn armored swat truck. There was even a helicopter circling above. The sirens drowned out every other sound. Shock and awe meant to me. high risk, high profile arrest. The news vans wouldn't be far behind. At first they didn't compute. I thought they were waiting the stolen girl swooping in on Pete and his band of thieves. I was thankful I hadn't arrived five minutes earlier. But when I heard Heidi's voice bleating at me through a loudspeaker, and I saw what must have been half the type of police force take cover behind their vehicles, blocks and rifles pointed at me. Seeing uh, Alexander Walsh, Heidi said, I need you to step out of the vehicle with your hands on your head, nice and slow. I did as I was told. The shuttle hovered so low to the ground that the wind off its blades had my blazer flapping and my hair blowing in every direction. I stood at what felt like the junction of a thousand spotlights my mind spinning through every possible scenario. Only one seemed likely Vincent had given up on me a day too early, leaked my fire straight to the precinct. Heidi, dressed in yellow, crept up on me. With her glock, raised a small fleet of uniforms kept pace behind her. Scene walls... Seen whilst Heidi said, "You're on, um, you're under arrest for the murder of Anthony Costello." Murder. It was more than I could process. Without thinking, I took a step forward, dropped my arms to my sides. Heidi and her, into cocked their guns in unison. Hands, hands, hands! She screamed. Then on your knees now. See that. See that one of the Pat me down, uncuck me. She'd have done it herself if she wasn't getting such a kick out of pointing the gun at my head. You have the right to remain silent, she said. Anything you say, what the hell is this, I shouted. Have you lost your goddamn mind? will be used against you in a court of law. I wasn't listening. You know where I was that day, I said. I was on shift. I was working a scene on the other end of Tampa. You know that. She kept on reading my... She kept on reading my... She kept on reading me my rights. I looked around at the small army assembled to hunt me down. You'd have thought I was Pablo Escobar. Search it, Heidi said. A crew of gloved detectives descended on the Jeep. I'd worked alongside each and every one of them. They were all my colleagues, my friends. I'd been to their weddings, seen the kids baptized. If they had any regrets about what they were doing, it didn't show on their faces. Heidi signaled for me to get to my feet. Together, we watched. Jimmy, Beth, Tom, and Samuel strip my car down to the studs. They tore out the carpet, dropped anything that wasn't nailed down into an evidence bag. Come on, Heidi, I said. What is this? What do you think they are going to find? Crickets, she wouldn't look at me, wouldn't talk to me. My partner of more than a decade. Anything, she called. Samuel came trotting over, holding up a clear plastic bag. Inside was a Navy Sears custom engraved six-inch commemorative blade. No ghost residue, he said, but the size and color match. This is insane, I said. Samuel, do you really think I'd hide in what a motor weapon in my own damn car? you think I'd drive over to Anthony's and I kill him with my own monogrammed knife? Am I really that stupid, Samuel? Look at me. But he'd already turned his back and walked away. Heidi held up the back, studied the knife. All right, she said to no one in particular. Let's wrap this up. Two uniform I, I'd never seen before stared me toward the back of a squad car. The news for had arrived in force. There must have been a dozen cameras at me. I figured, why not give them something worth filming? I've got shit on every one of you, I screamed, swinging my head around, eyeballing my former friends and colleagues one by one. You think I will forget this? You think I'll go quietly? I will bring down every one of you. You think I'm stupid? You just flushed your careers down the goddamn toilet. I'm taking this prime time. The story of the Tampa PD is about to be with Lodge, think about that when you're kissing your kids goodnight. I felt a hand on my head, pushing me down into the car. I took a last look around. My eyes settled on Heidi. She gave my stare right back, then broke into a wide and vicious grin. That is it for part one. That is it for part one of three men three women disappear. The whole is done and part one is done. I'll see you on the next episode where I start part two with four new chapters. because from now on I will read four chapters but depending on where I'm at if I'm like three chapters or four chapters away from the next part I'll just finish finish that part I'll just finish the part so I'll see you next time for the beginning of part two. See you next time bye bye.